The Power Rangers were created by Saban. They adapted. They evolved. They expected that the season that they would turn into Lost Galaxy would be a space season. Giga Man with sword and sorcery. There was an attempt. And they didn't have a plan. Eternal Suffering J. And I'm the bitchy movie star on Terra Venture that looks suspiciously like Kendrick's Ashley. And this is Rangers Plane, where I, Power Rangers veteran J, takes Power Rangers newbie Ashley through the world of Power Rangers, including whatever this was. Whew, I was, I don't know what I was expecting from Lost Galaxy, but uh, it was certainly something. So much is happening, but nothing is happening at all. Post the Zordon way, there's a new space station, and they're going to find a new colony. Along the way, a stowaway, two military officers, a mechanic, and a jungle girl grab a sword from a stone from the planet of Miranoi and become the Galaxy Rangers. Much adventures happen. Yeah, so, um... Lost Galaxy is an experience. It is... It is... It is so much an experience. <laughs> yeah, like, we tried to come up with a more succinct, like, plot description than that, and we just couldn't, because so much happens at once. Yeah. It is It is the horse ebooks of Power Rangers seasons, and considering the fact we sat through Turbo, that's saying something. Yeah, it's... <sighs> It wasn't like with season three of Power Rangers where so much happened, but there was a lot of, like, mini-arcs. There's still mini-arcs in Lost Galaxy and stuff, but it's just, like, they tried to have a plot, and then it just went poof and weirdness for a while before, like, at the very end, after a Naruto filler arc, mind you, mm -hmm. they're like, oh, yeah, we're supposed to colonize. Yeah, I feel like they would remember half the time that they're supposed to be, like, a space colony floating through space trying to find the next new world, like, a la a more organized Battlestar Galactica situation. Um, like, Earth's not dead. Most everyone here came from Angel Grove, given that Bulk and Skull are hanging out. Oh, sorry. Just Bulk is hanging out. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just, it's so... It's interesting. Yeah. And as you said you were... Like, you, you were talking to Seamus from No Pink Spandex about this, right? Yeah, well, I would like a correction. He no longer podcasts for them, but he still writes for Den of Geeks. Okay. Uh, and uh, Seamus and I were just talking because I was like, hey, I'm going tap to tap into our Power Ranger expert we know. And he just kind of pointed out how Lost Galaxy made so many swings for the fences and a lot of them missed and some of them spectacularly slow. And I think our favorite one was, like, how the Lights of Orion arc was. Yeah, so I specifically compared the Lights of Orion to kind of being the Sailor Moon MacGuffin. 
Um, so if you've watched any season of Sailor Moon, and a particular example I kept bringing up when talking about this was Sailor Moon S, uh, which was the season with Haruka and Mishiru and all that fun stuff, is there is something that they're searching for. It's, it's an ancient power of sorts. And for how many consecutive episodes that they're searching for this particular MacGuffin, they try to find it in the most strange places. Yeah. So, like, with, you know, Sailor Moon S, it was like, oh, we need to find the heart crystals to find the particular... I keep forgetting the name of the weapons that they were referring to. Um, or I think they were talismans, I think was what they called them. I don't remember. But... You know, and they search the entire season and randomly extract heart crystals from... Well, it's usually the villain that extracts it first. Uh, they extract heart crystals from, like, nearly every girl in Tokyo trying to find this. Only for, at the very end, to be revealed that they were inside Haruka and Mishiru all along. Yeah. The Lights of the Riot was so weird because it was, like, about an ancient power that Drakina was after... Drakina and Scorpius were after and everything. And it was, like... Why is it on a newly constructed space station? <laughs> yeah, so, like, that's also the weird thing about Terra Venture, is that Terra Venture, they try to, like, at points, especially towards the beginning of the series, they try to establish that, you know, while they are a very advanced space colony, they're still a space colony with limited resources, and, like, they only have so much food and water and resources to get them through, you know, the next, like... How many, however many years that they're going to be exploring the universe to try to find, you know, their next colony. But there's also times where you'll see, like, TerraVenture has several beaches or rock quarries. Shout out to the Angel Grove Lake that's still there. Yeah, it's just like, how... It's just sort of, it's very non, like, non-Euclidean, if that's the right word for it. Yeah, it, it might be the right word for it. I'm not sure, but it's just kind of, like, weird and dissonant when you kind of, like, watch this season and then you're like, wait a minute. Nothing about this makes sense. Like, the lights in Orion don't make sense. Like, why are they on a new space station? Why is it in a fucking camera if it's this ancient power shouldn't be in like a like a cave or something on another world yeah like that would make sense and most of the season kind of gets taken up with like the the lost galaxy book oh yeah and kind of the study of that and that just sort of ends up leading into a like you called it a naruto filler arc i said plot cul-de-sac um <laughs> same thing it's the same fucking thing yeah like it, this whole thing about, like, oh, they find the Lost Galaxy, but, like, which is the name of the season. It takes them, like, most of the season to even kind of explain or get to that. And, and they have to, like, summon from the Necronomicon to go to the Lost Galaxy. Yeah, basically, it's the space Necronomicon. And, <laughs> um, yeah, and then they, so they end up there, and then they meet Captain Mutiny, who is apparently the main villain of Ginga Man. Um... And so for about five episodes, they have this plot cul-de-sac where they're dealing with Captain Mutiny in the Lost Galaxy, and then they escape the Lost Galaxy, Trakina blows up Captain Mutiny, and then the series just sort of goes towards its, like, finale. Yeah. So, okay, that was something that happened. Actually, I think it was uh, the Zords blow blew up Captain Mutiny, because, like, they came in back later, and Trakina's like, oh, they're back. No, I could have sworn it was... Trakina is like as soon as Captain Mutiny came through the port, uh, like the the portal, she was just like, "This is my galaxy." I could have sworn Trakina was involved. 
No, she wasn't. Because I remember, I remember that long, stupid sword fight, and I was like, please it. I could have sworn. No, no, no. Let me... Have this cat mutiny die. Yeah, I'm just like, time out, time out. Wait, I, that... In Lost Galaxy, because I actually got an actual historical figure. Right. Uh, would uh, would mutiny pursue the Terra Venture crew back into the normal okay, galaxy through yeah. a portal? They planned to conquer our galaxy, but Trakina attacked and destroyed his castle, taking mutiny and his crew down with it. Okay. Cited on the Power Rangers fandom wiki with uh, for Escape the Lost Galaxy. Yeah, I just got it up too. So you're right. It was just kind of weird. <laughs> a scurvy spaceship? Did you really describe <laughs> it as a scurvy spaceship? Scurvy is a disease. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> I'm mad at that. Now that we've we've gotten our nerd argument out of the way, <laughs> the real reason why you turned into Rangers Flight is like, do we remember this correctly? We sat through it. We watched it, and apparently, we don't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that was so weird. And then you kind of brought up the like weird Battlestar Galactica Voyager situation of we only had mm -hmm. limited supplies. And it kind of reminded me, and we'll get to this with RPM, and you'll probably have the back of your mind when watching RPM. Because RPM takes place during, like, the robot apocalypse, but they all live in kind of the safety net of the dome city of Corinth. And it really only is threatened when the monsters threaten it. So it's just like, okay, this is the end of humanity as we know it. Why is everyone being able to go to the park and enjoy themselves and eat, right. eat pizza and all that? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, so, and, because, yeah, especially because, like, the, after that whole, like, oh, we only have limited supplies, we can't take you random stowaway back home, which, by the way, they're not referring to Leo in that case. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's just, like, it's only when the Power Rangers intervene and are willing to, like, take a separate ship to take him back home and come back that, you know, that he manages to get home, but, like, they talk about these limited supplies, and yet they keep getting attacked by monsters and have all of these things, and it just, it doesn't, it, it was not well thought through. Yeah, Kai was cooking up some impressive dishes for, like, all that, and then Ken Kendrick's that one episode where she is trying to, like, welcome Maya's friend, quote-unquote. Uh, we'll get to that, but, like, I remember Kendrick's cooked up, like, a cake, a meal, all this stuff, and it's like, if your food's limited, why are you, like, being a gore there's a cake shop on terra venture yeah and it, it just reminds me of like uh the red wall series and why uh oh god the writer's name escapes me let me google it uh but he grew up during like world war ii britain mm -hmm. brian jocks i think is how you pronounce his last name yeah jocks jocks uh so he grew up during that time so he like some of that trauma of, like, that that growing up with such little food ended up, like, having this weird thing in Redwall where even if they were on their siege, they had good food, and he would write food porn. Right. So, it's kind of one of those things to think about. Like, when you're so hungry, you think about that stuff, but you're not going to eat that. You're going to eat, like, ramen noodles or something. Right. I mean, maybe if they had, like, some sort of replicator, like, similar to what happened within space for their food, like, I get that. But they don't talk about that. They specifically say, oh, we have very limited supplies. That we got so little toilet paper. Yeah, okay. Then why do you have, like, a fucking beach on your planet? I No, sorry. A beach on your space station. 
it really is just kind of a weird season because it's like it's very clear they wanted this lost galaxy they pro I, I think as the story goes uh they got kind of the name confirmation that it was ginga man which ginga translates the galaxy so they're like oh another space season and you know in space did real well we can do another space season and then they actually like see the sentai footage and shit and it's sword and sorcery <laughs> oh god and yeah, so they kind of they had to like backwards engineer it, I guess. Yeah, it's it's we get to other seasons that do better with the backwards engineering. I know I mentioned RPM, but RPM is a great example because Goandra was I think about kind of like transporting between different worlds, and it was kind of more fun than RPM, which was about the robot apocalypse. Right. They, there's been reverse engineer seasons uh, later and everything, but. Or what Beast Morphers is. It's like Beast Morphers isn't about spies or anything the way um, Go, Busters. Go Busters is. It still has a little flavor of Go Buster, but that's like a, a little the same as The Lost Galaxy too. But it, okay. it deals with like the morphing grid and soldiers of the morphing grid and all that stuff. More so than like, hey, we have these like kids that got, the, that got these powers because... Uh, scientists flew too close to the sun and tapped into this dimension and they were the only ones who survived the building getting imploded and thrown into that dimension, so. Mm. Go Busters is very interesting. Clearly. <laughs> I, I like Go Busters. <laughs> uh, and then on top of that, like, um, Zordon era is pretty much done. Like, it's supposed to be post-Zordon wave and everything. But they don't have, like, a new team to, like, they have to do a complete new team, uh, just kind of a standalone season, and they're not really used to that yet. Yeah, because, like, this is kind of the first season that they haven't had a mentor figure to fall back on, and there's not really anybody, and it, it kind of mostly goes out of, okay, granted, that started in, in space of them kind of breaking out of the typical, like, mentor formula and having a place to hang out, but they still had those, like, figures there, if that makes sense. Yeah. But this is the first season they're, they're kind of just, they're winging it because they don't have, like, you know, we can't just go back to Ernie's Juice Bar or um, Adele's, like, Surf Shack. Um, you know, we don't have a Zordon figure to mentor them through this process. So mm -hmm. it's, it was very interesting to kind of see them try to figure that out on the go, like kind of having to like push outside of the boundaries of what was like, what was the known Power Rangers formula at the time? Yeah. And I think that's where the hit or misses come because mm -hmm. it's like, sometimes they did a very good job. Like we'll get into a lot the Magna Defender arc was hilarious a little bit, but also very good. Uh, you had the build-up and stuff dealing with, like, Kendricks and her death, even though that was, like, thrown in there. We'll get to that. Uh, and then, Ooh. like, you had the stuff kind of early on establishing the characters using Giga Man episodes. So, you know, there's a lot of trial and error in this season. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and yeah. it's definitely never boring, I can tell you that. Yeah, Last Galaxy was never boring for us to watch. <laughs> so, uh, one of the things that really suffered this season, uh, because they were trying new things, was the characters were kind of there. Before we get into it, I'd like to kind of note that when we were doing the notations for this, 
we literally felt like it was back to season one in terms of like how little they developed these characters. Right. It's like, we're like, uh, stuff happened. Yeah. Um, so let's get into the characters then with first, we'll talk about our red ranger for the season with Leo Corbett. I noted that he was twunk man, the stowaway. Yeah, so much about Leo, even if they're not specifically talking about, like, how hot he is, like, they're kind of emphasizing it slowly with, like, the fact that, like, he's constantly shirtless, or, like, in peril with ripped clothes. Oh, I just realized in our notes, we misremembered the Jealous Brother episode. That was Leo. Because remember the stupid, like, outfit he wore? Vaguely. Uh, it was the, it was the chili shirt. Oh, yes! The chili shirt! <laughs> I just, oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, that was one of the things that... that so, throughout the series... Okay, so this particular episode was one of the few times Leo kind of got growth. Was he found this girl, and they obviously didn't put much thought into this girl, because she barely shows up in the episode, minus the date, and her name was Ginger. So, <laughs> her entire purpose was to get captured. And then, like, Leo had to deal with his brother, with her brother. There was kind of this weird gay chemistry between him and the brother. There was literally more chemistry with the brother, who I cannot remember his name right now, but they gave him a name before they gave her a name. Oh, yeah, that was also funny. But there's literally more chemistry between the bro- like, Leo and the brother than there is between him and Ginger. And so much of it revolves around, it's like, you promised you protect her. You said you would protect her. You let me down, bro. Oh. And at the end of it, they, like, ride off together for a bit. It's so stupid. My God. Ugh. But kind of, like, earlier on, and one of the things that does show up a lot for Leo, minus his, like, one-off date of them trying to convince us Leo was straight with his mm-hmm. chili shirt, um, was, um... He was kind of the first ranger that we've seen, particularly as a red ranger, that was a chaotic good rogue, as opposed to, I am a lawful good power ranger. Stay lawful good, y'all. Buckle up and be nice to cops. Yeah, no, Leo's kind of a dick, but, like, in a good way. Yeah, and my fa- one of my favorite episodes dealing with him was with him and Kai, and it was kind of gay, too, because it was the paladin and rogue flirting. Kai was trying to teach Leo about all the rules and stuff, and kind of at the end of it, they realized, like, Kai learned to kind of bend rules, but is not much of a rule breaker, whereas Leo is, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, so yeah, it definitely had, I think that was the first time you really kind of see that back and forth. I don't know if the first time, I think you saw a little bit of it in, like, in space, but you kind of have that, that butting of heads between, like, ostensibly what are supposed to be the two team leaders. And the other thing that was interesting about him that they kind of touched in, like, one or two episodes, but then went, because it's Power Rangers, was he did not pull the Red Quasar Saber. Um, That was, in fact, Mike, his brother, who pulled the Red Quasar Saber. And it wasn't until Mike, okay, Leo went to save Mike from this, like, opening crevice in the earth. And Mike just hands Leo the sword and goes... You know what to do or whatever, and then yeets himself down the kid like canyon. Yeah, it was like we replayed that scene a few times because he literally like 
instead of kind of letting go naturally, like, Mike's actor, which we should have written his name down. It's like Russell something. He just kind of pushes himself off of the, like, the canyon wall and just lets himself fall backwards. I'm just like, okay, that that just happened. <laughs> but there's, like, like, an episode dealing with grief with his brother's death, including, like, thinking he's seen his brother again, but it's a monster mm-hmm. in disguise. Boo-hoo. But then there's nothing else. And because of that, it's like, this is kind of a lead thing throughout every everybody. is like, people will have character-centric episodes, but there'll be no growth. Oh, and I, I did look it up. The brother's name in the episode with Ginger was Colby. That's right, Colby, like... Eh. Eh. Seth Rollins. Eh. Eh. Anyway. <laughs> but, uh, something we forgot to talk about last episode, because it just kind of happened and then disappeared, but this one they used it a bit more, was Battleizers! Yes, so we got into our first Battleizer last season with, um, with Andros and In Space, and... Like, yeah, I'm a little sad we didn't talk about it in our In Space episode, because my reaction was literally, what the hell was that? (laughs) It was so fucking funny, because, like, Ashley knew little about Battleizers. There's a Battleizer in uh, Dino Charge, which which you've seen, but it was, like, it was one of the only times, like, a Battleizer actually happened in the Sentai. So it was kind of more or less fitting of the suit and Japanese Sentai aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Whereas the first Battleizer is American and fits American action figure aesthetics. And it's just like, what is with these fake abs and shit? What the yeah, fuck? Yeah, fake abs. I, I think there was a fake butt on there too. Like, it, it just looked like they put, they put um, Christopher Kamen Lee into, like, a, a an action figure costume. Yeah. And just went with it now i will say this season does not have the ridiculous like for leo that does not have the ridiculous like body proportions but it still looks stupid as hell (laughs) it's like what gets me is uh the battleizer this season first of all and maybe we'll get this when we get to corone corone and leo basically everyone gets their powers fucked and corone and leo go off to a cave where Corone fought a mighty warrior as Astronema and encased him in stone. And then Corone has to go through this whole test to see if she's a good person now in Corone and not Astronema. And we'll get to that next episode, yes. too. Uh, and then it's like, oh, hey, you passed the test and the warrior gives you the thing, but he gives it to Leo. Yeah, why does Leo get that power? Because it's like, Corone did all the work. The Battleizer should technically go to Corone, but no. Oh, has to go to the man. Has to go to the Red Ranger because that sells toys. And I'm like, really watching that episode. It's like typical. A woman does all the work, and the man takes credit for it. Pretty fucking much. Um, but the Battleizer itself, besides that, it's just. It looks like a jet fighter that they've just packed on to, like, uh, which is, like, an ancient power, but it looks like a fucking jet fighter. That they've, like, it has the shoulder rig that goes over Leo's shoulders. (laughs) But that's not even the stupidest part. It's the shoes. (laughs) (laughs) And there's, like, lack of armor around the feet, so it just looks naked. 
Yeah, so he's literally just sort of shuffling forward in these uncomfortable, like, cardboard shoes that are supposed to be metal. And he's, like, got this giant, like, jet plane strapped to his back that, like, it's supposed to be his power-up where he just launches a missile of energy. I don't remember if it was energy or lasers or whatnot. What? It does it matter? It's Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah. It just matters that it's going to sell toys. Yeah. So... And he sort of shuffles awkwardly forward to his, like, target as he's wearing this. And I'm like, this is not practical at all. Like, I, I don't know how they managed to be less... Like, it looks so somewhat less stupid, but it's also somewhat less practical than the Battleizer from last season. And I'm still like, how is an ancient power that he stole from Kurum? How is he an ancient power like some modern jet Yeah, fighter? I don't get that either. But it's 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 what sells to little boys. Yeah. So. What do, what do we know? Yeah, it's not like the Ranger Slayer figure sold out, out instantly or anything. Yeah, I'm still trying to find mine randomly. Anyway. Funny <laughs> face. Oh. Uh, let, let's go let's go on cuz that's pretty much it for Leo and this is going to be a quick section because like like we said, it's like everyone kind of got episodes where stuff happened, but nothing added to their character. Uh, it's Kai Chen, uh, who's lawful good man who can cook. Yeah, and he's sort of like, besides being like the secondary leader of the Power Rangers, he's also kind of like high ranking within GSA, which is the organization that's running Terra Venture. I think I looked up what it was supposed to mean. It was supposed to be like Galaxy society or something okay but it, it was supposed to hint on being like a space program uh but yeah he's like kind of like the akin to like the pilot of the ship in um star trek mm -hmm. like tom paris and all that you know he's kind of akin to that uh but he's not horny like tom paris minus that one episode with the weirdo video yeah so the one episode with kai that i can really recall is there's an episode where he meets this girl I can't remember her name, but, like, he meets this girl when he's, like, a babysitting Commander Stanton's daughter and taking her to the roller rink, and he's, like, immediately falls in love with her, and, like, when he's supposed to be recording, like, Commander Stanton's daughter, so that way, like, Commander Stanton can see, like, her roller skating tricks... Uh, he just immediately focuses in on her instead. And it's, like, this Dreamweaver sequence comes up. And, like, they hang out, and it's like, oh, my God, I'm so close to her. I'm in love with her. And then, like, there's a whole fucking misunderstanding where he thinks, because she talks about, oh, there's a wedding tomorrow, and he thinks that she's getting married, and he she he rescues who he thinks is, like, her fiancé. And it's, it's a whole thing where, Lee, where he has to be like, I have to let her go. But he doesn't say it, but that's the that's the plot. And then at the very end, he sends, like, she sends him a gift and is just like, thank you for saving my brother. He was getting me my, my bridesmaid's dress for the, like, the wedding I'm participating in today. Yeah. Okay, so real quick, because I have seen about a good chunk of Ginga Man. Not, all, not mm -hmm. all of it. But it was an episode of Ginga Man, and you can actually, like, see uh, Goki <laughs> in it. Like, when he goes to, like, rescue the brother, when Kai goes to rescue the brother, all of a sudden you see this man. Kai is, like, this short little skinny dweeb. <laughs> and so all of a sudden he transforms into this big, like, 
himbo of a man <laughs> wearing sword and sorcery gear that's blue. Oh my god. <laughs> For a split second. Because it, it was a copy and paste from a Ginga Man episode where Go, Goki gets, like, enamored by a woman and everything. And I forget if it ends with, like, the woman, like, finding out that, oh, she's just happily married and all that. Because there's a similar episode in Gal Ranger. Mm-hmm. This, this seems very popular, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, like, there's a couple more Kai-centric episodes, but that one really stood out for us for whatever reason. Yeah, he was, that one I was just kind of weird in terms of, like, relationship jealousy and, like, kind of, uh, marked with a little bit of creepiness and, like, kind of, like, looks like it was, it was gonna move the plot forward in terms for Kai, but then you never see this girl again. Oh, and the yeah. same happens with Ginger with Leo, and, like, you don't see, uh, Ginger or Colby again after their episode. Yeah, and and Kai just kind of has weird gay chemistry with Leo, so we just say he's a possible functional bi. I mean, yeah, well, just, for this season, just assume everyone's a little bit gay. Yeah, this season was, like, hella gay, and we'll get to that in a bit. Yeah. Um, so our next character is gonna be Damon Henderson, who is our Green Ranger, and his whole thing is that he's the he's a mechanic dude, and you know he's a mechanic because he's constantly wearing coveralls, and there's constantly some sort of smudge of oil or soot on his face. Or in one instance, or in several instances, it's like you just took like makeup, like eyeshadow, and just smudged it on his face. Yeah, and it's so it becomes a game of like figure out where they put the smudge for every episode, and sometimes it changes in the episode. Yeah. I'm going to let you take point for what we, what the main thing we talked about with him, which was the stupid head mechanic racism BS neoliberal episode. Okay, so there's an episode later in the season. Uh, so it's like shortly after Caron joins the team where um, there is a position that opens up on Terra Venture for uh, the head mechanic role. And uh, Caron encourages like, uh Damon to apply because like hey you're real you're the best mechanic I know you ba- you practically run this place you're you should apply for this job and he's like oh I don't know and like there's a whole thing where they have to come up with a particular um device or invention to help improve Terra Venture and there's like this guy I don't remember his fucking name and I don't care to we're just going to call him Elon Musk. Yeah, he's an Elon Musk type. He's this, like, tech bro, like, hoity-toity, like, type that, like, literally his only defining feature is that he's white, he's short, and he has glasses. Um, and he's just, like, and, and, like, like, he's, like, an engineer. And, -hmm. like, so he thinks that he should get the head mechanic job because he's an engineer and he, like, deserves it more even though he has no practical application of anything, much like, like, unlike Damon has. And, like, Damon kind of works on this uh, sound device for the monster that would help kind of defeat the monster and, like, help out around the city for power, I think, or something like that. And he falls asleep while making it, and Elon Musk comes around and just starts taking pictures. And basically, when, when Damon comes and says, hey... I have this project, but I'm not finished with it yet. It's Commander Stanton was like, 
oh, hey, we already hired Elon Musk here with his device that was yours. And then Damon just kind of gets sad. Yeah, and, like, the thing is, is that, like, well, one, he missed the deadline by probably, like, 15, 30 minutes because he overslept. Yeah. And it's like, it was was the Elon Musk guy the, the only other person to apply? Because he picked him out real quick instead of listening to, like... Yeah. I, I get, like, you know, I get deadlines and all that. But you think, like, he would give him, like, a little bit of leeway because he knows who Damon is and understands. You are right. He just kind of picked the project and be, instead of being like, okay, this is the deadline. We're going to, like, get back to everyone in a week or so. Yeah. Like... That's typically how the job interview process goes. Like, you filter through your applicants, you do the interviews, How then oftentimes multiple rounds of interviews, which I expect on TerraVenture, they would need multiple rounds of interviews. And I would not expect them to do that kind of labor of come up with a device that's going to help TerraVenture until probably about your second round. Yeah. And then you pick your applicant. So, like... The fact that they sort of just immediately pick the Elon Musk guy is like, one, bullshit. And I get, I get it's a fucking syndicated children's cartoon. They want to get this over as quickly as possible. And and have, like, dramatic tension and stuff. Right. Um, but it was like, and it's one of those things of, like, you know that this is unfair because you see that, like, this guy has stolen un- incomplete plans from Damon. But also, like, there is that extra... Uh, added layer of like this dude is white has like the more white collar experience of like being like going through college and becoming like a great engineer that way where like Damon is black and working class yeah I don't like I don't know if this was overly intended but that was definitely what was coming across in the text and Basically, the monster attacks, and the device kind of works, but backfires, and Damon has to save the day, and all that. And then, all of a sudden, it's like, Damon's like, oh, I just helped him out with his device. Yeah, Damon does not at any point say, he stole this from me. I have the schematics here to prove that this is my work that was stolen, and I can tell you how to finish it, because he stole uncompleted schematics... Yeah. At no point does he accuse him, which I, I get it. I get from that perspective. You Sometimes you just don't want to stir the pot. Sometimes you don't want to cause drama. Sometimes you know you're not going to be believed, even if you have proof. I get that. Yeah. But the fact that Damon does not take credit for his work and he just lets this guy get away with it. And the guy, at, at one point to his credit, does quit the job. But he does not admit to what he did. Yeah, and, and and they just have a oh we cool bro moment. Like we cool. Yeah, and he ends up getting the job back anyway, because when Damon gets in the position, he gets told, Oh, it's gonna be a lot of paperwork. This is your job now. And Damon's like, Oh, I don't wanna do paperwork. I wanna get my hands dirty. So uh the other guy can have the job again. Bye! It's so and it's like, okay, I get when you're, like, a, in a management position. It is going to be a lot of paperwork. A lot of, like, you know, overseeing other people. But you think they could have adapted the part to, like, let Damon still do do the hands-on work. And it was very funny at the end of the season. There was, like, stuff going on. You're like, 
Well, if only Damon was a head mechanic and you remembered you had a head mechanic. Yeah, because Damon is the one giving orders to people to keep TerraVenture from fucking crashing when their engines go down. Yeah. So it just comes across as like, there seems like they're wanting to teach a lesson on humility and that like being humble and not stirring, like not rocking the boat, like gets you further in life than if you're like, if you cause a scene or anything like that, or if you cause drama, which is not a great lesson, by the way. Um, no, that's a terrible lesson. That is be compliant, even if it hurts. Yeah. So, and, but, but also just to be like, at the, just at the end is like, Damon doesn't like Damon just fucking bails. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that just like, especially Commander Stanton, you think he should know. And at one point, he, like, Commander Stanton directly confronts the guy and is like, what happened here? Why did this fail? And the guy hems and haws, and Damon goes in and saves his ass. Yeah. And it's like, Commander Stanton should know that his lead, like, his head mechanic that he just hired stole schematics and does not know how to complete the project. Nothing about this is ethical. Yeah, well, I'm not trying to excuse things, but I'm just like, Power Rangers can be really dumb in its morality sometimes. Yeah, this is this is one of those extremely 90s things, I think, um, of just, I, you know, you want to teach, like, especially the 90s were really guilty of this, of like, teaching kids to like solve things civilly yes which there is a there is great lessons to be taught in that sometimes it helps to teach them that hey saying hey sometimes people will be unfair yeah that there is unfairness in the world whether it's you know larger things like racism sexism transphobia homophobia whatever but there's also like moments of like there's little things as well. Like maybe a teacher come like teacher has an unfair rule or something like that. And like you should also teach them that there are moments where you should can and should speak up. Yeah. And the closest I can it, I can even remember Power Rangers getting to this was the whole thing about like the the club in like one of the early seasons of the original Mighty Morphin. Of, like, the club of rich girls. Oh, yeah. It, it had to do with, like... It was their weird episode where they're like, we want to do a racism episode dealing with, like, Aisha. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to commit to it. It was like, stop the hate mo- monster. Yeah, stop the hate monster. And But we don't want to commit and say it's all right racism, so we just kind of flavored it as classism. Yeah, and they make the the girl that's head of this club black as well, so it's not racism because, like, the girl who's discriminating against Aisha is also black. And it's just so stupid. Yeah, and, and this episode, I think it was just kind of meant to be, like, again, the bad moral of don't rock the boat. Yeah. You already had a bad moral to begin with with that mm-hmm. of, you know, you could have done something of being humble, like maybe uh, Damon gets the job, but then like starts slacking off and orders people around. You know, they, they do this episode like the humble, like le- like the episode in like SPD with Jack, 
when he finds out he's a leader, he just gets a big head about it and orders people to go on mud runs and kind of sleazily hits on a girl because of his power and... That makes more sense. Like, how, if, if you put, put Damon in that position of power and have explore what happens when you're in that position of power and what you do if it goes unchecked. Yeah, that would have made sense. And it would have made sense if at the end, Damon is just like, I need to work on myself before I can take up a position like this. Yeah, that would have been a much stronger episode is to like say like, this is where being humble is good. Whereas like this episode already had us like, don't rock the boat and be humble, even if someone steals your fucking work and gets ahead of you, and it's unfair. Yeah, and especially, and I, like I said, I don't think the intention was necessarily racist, but when you're codifying it in such a way of this white guy who is has gotten so far in life because of his intelligence, quote, quote, from a more stratified, like, upper-class position, and versus, like, you know, you have your that black working-class character, it may have not been your intention in the writing, but that's what it comes across when the final, actual print episode that goes and airs on Fox Kids. And it just goes shows with production that it's like you want to have that diverse background, I think it's the biggest lesson of this episode, is you need diversity in your writing staff, your production staff, everything, or else mm-hmm. you will get episodes like this where it's just accidentally very racist. Yeah. And I think that also kind of shows, like, kind of what the... Like, that's a problem not just with Power Rangers in the 90s. It was across the board. Is that you have, like, these kind of diversity squad, quote, quote, um teams of kids in shows but very rarely does it ever get into the meat of what it means to have those characters and and yeah we'll talk about tokenism later in the podcast yeah Uh, but yeah that's just sort of a big example of how especially comes up in lost galaxy with damon Mm -hmm. like i said with like damon this is this is for all the characters on this in this particular season it's not just limited to kai and damon but, like, and especially because a lot of Damon's personality, he, like, he doesn't really get much of one. And like, most of his personality is that he's kind of snarky. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, he's kind of the guy who's also, who would just be, like, it used, as you listened here, the guy in the horror movie, he's just like, ah, fuck no. Yeah, he would be like, I'm not staying in that haunted house. No, you, you go stay in that haunted house. Leaves, and you never see the character again in lives. Yeah. So that that's basically his personality, and like there's often times like he would just kind of get overlooked in episodes as well. Because I remember, and we'll talk about this with Maya and Kendricks. There's the whole episode where like where Maya eats the cake. It's technically over a cake made for Damon's birthday. Yeah, and Damon's barely in the episode. Like he doesn't really show up until the end of the episode, and it's about his birthday. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, that was so, it, we'll get to it, but it, it was just kind of, like, so weird that they just kind of made it, like, ask permission before touching things in, if, uh, in your roommate's episode mm-hmm. over someone else's birthday and just barely touch on his birthday. Yeah, and they, there are other times that, like, Damon does have, like, centric episodes. Like, there was an episode where, like, he saved, like, the ship's governor, head counselor character yeah um they never really explain what she is that just they're just sort of a council that runs terra venture 
And, like, he won a medal of bravery for, like, saving her, which they literally give to him while he's at work. <laughs> yeah, they're like, here, it's like, you could have had a ceremony or something. Yeah, don't, like, get, let him dress up in something nicer than his coveralls, God. How dare. I, like, even, like, even, like, Star Wars at the very, like, sorry, at the very end of, like, uh, A New Hope, like, they let, like, Han and Luke get better dressed. <laughs> <laughs> getting their like medal of bravery for blowing up the fucking death star now now he does leave the coveralls for that clip show episode where he gets captured with leo <laughs> and it's just like okay he's he's sort of shirtless yeah he was wearing like a a tank top underneath it yeah but like yeah it was like that was like that was the only time you don't like you don't see him with coveralls. It's just him, like, in the desert, like, back tied back to back with Leo as they reminisce about the season that has just happened. I would like to point out that it feels like this season, with the exception of Leo, like, everyone had one specific outfit they had to wear. Like, Kai and Kendricks and, and um, Mike wore their GSA uniforms. Maya was always in her jungle girl outfit. Carone was wearing her vampire slaying outfit and like one thing of pink in her hair. Yeah, and it very rarely deviates from that. Like, I, okay, I kind of get it with, you know, Mike, Kai, and Kendricks because that's their uniform. They work on the space station. But like, other than that, they don't really get to kind of dress outside of that. Well, Leo gets the one time with the chili shirt, but that's it. <laughs> Yeah, and, and other than that, he's mostly, like, red tank top and leather jacket. Yeah. Um, okay, by the way, if you don't know what we mean by chili shirt, just, like, there's the whole meme about, like... Kid who... Yeah, Aloha, like, it was an Aloha print shirt. And he, he like, and he or she texts, like, or they text their parent, uh, hey, dad, can I wear this tonight? And the, and the dad goes, fuck no, I'm taking your mom to Chili's tonight. Yeah. No, like, or like, or don't, don't fucking don't touch. Fucking touch. Oh, I'm taking your mom, mom to Chili's, Chili's tonight. tonight. <laughs> that was just the entire vibe that Leo was exuding in that episode. But we'll stop talking about the Chili shirt now and uh, move on to Mike. He was kind of like, when you first see him, you know, he starts out like the action hero and everything. And if it wasn't for Leo wearing red, you would probably maybe think, oh, this is going to be the Red Ranger of the season. And then he dies. Yeah. So Mike dies, he gets better. Oh, no, it's he technically does he gets better. Because, like, the entire explanation behind that is that the first Magna Defender basically, like, absorbs Mike's life force in order to keep him alive. Yeah. Which, by the way, <laughs> Jay made a tweet about that. I did. Is it gay? F is it, fellas, is it gay to have another man's life force inside you? Yeah, some people got really worked up about that joke. We don't want you listening to Ranger's Flight if you are slightly homophobic, because we are both queer people. Yeah, and it's like, and if you can't take a joke about, like, fellas, is it gay to have another man's life force inside of you? Which, to the credit of most of the people who responded to that tweet, they, um... They, they had a good time with that one. Yeah, they had a good time with that one. It's like, duh. Yeah, but... The thing about Mike is that he's outside of kind of his first initial appearance and then getting the powers of the Magna Defender. Like, uh, what really happened? 
happens with him? He's kind of useless to, I remember we were watching this episode where they all get, it was the episode where they kind of like make the Gorn scene. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So where Leo rips his shirt off and stuff. Yes, this happens in Power Rangers. <laughs> but yeah, they capture all the Rangers and they go, we even got Magda Defender. And I went, oh, like that's hard. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, yeah, I'm like trying to just remember here, what was the whole thing to Mike besides like, he's Leo's older brother, he's probably a little, got a little bit more of his shit together in the beginning, he, he's got magnet defender powers, I think he's like popular with women, he was in that one episode that was clearly riffing on Alien. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of weird shit. Yeah, I can't really think of what else to say about Mike besides, you know, he's there and he's the first one to lose his ranger powers, as it were. And just dies and comes back. And as we mentioned before, yeets himself into the canyon. Yep. Just goes, yeet! Yep. <laughs> I don't want to deal with this anymore, yeet! <laughs> Alright, so uh, let's move on to Maya. She's just Maya, because Miranoi apparently has- Miranoi is like KO35, no one has last names apparently <laughs> uh, and i guess it's another one of those like we're not aliens we're humans even though we're from a distant planet <laughs> yeah it's another one of those she's from a dis- she's from the planet of miranoi uh and they are like they couldn't decide on an aesthetic i realized because it was kind of sorted sorcery but she kind of has a jungle girl vibe i guess she's a barbarian yeah or a beast master or something yeah but she's a sexy one Quote, unquote, because it's about as sexy as Power Rangers let you be, which is kind of having, like, something supportive titty-wise in a mid-drift. Yeah, it's like mid-drift, kind of, like, plunging neckline, but, like, you know, she's still very clearly got a bra on underneath that. Yeah. You know, Haim Saban didn't go, like, there's no underwear in space. Thank God. Like, when she comes in with her, uh, with her costume. Not saying he's not shitty in other ways, but, you know. Yeah. Um, he, he doesn't like unions, for one. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so, you know, she's not, she doesn't get told there's no underwear in space. He can't wear a bra under that. Because this is still, like, a children's show that's airing at, like, 11 in the morning. If not earlier. Yeah. And also her, like... Th- like they weren't like thigh high they were like knee high boots yeah which is just like that was hilarious is that you know she's supposed to be like this like jungle girl who's like miranoi is mostly like agrarian i guess agrarian kind of like sword and sorcery dungeons and dragons ass yeah she's wearing perfectly 90s platform knee high boots I guess there was, like, an alchemist or something that could make that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, don't overthink it. Or, or Kendrick's gifted to her, and she's like, ah, my feet are too, like, big for the, or these are too big for me. They might fit you. Okay. Uh, just more of, like, well, because, no, 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 because her friend, um, oh, God. Chandra. Chandra has those same boots. Okay, let's not really think about it. Yeah. It's like thinking about why the lights of Orion are on the space station. Let's not think about it. I just, I'm just i just saying it would have made more sense to her to, like, walk around barefoot or with sandals. Like, they gave, they gave Coda Tevas. Yeah. <laughs> For a minute there, I thought you were talking about the cat. <laughs> no. And then I realized, like, you named your cat after a Power Ranger, you dumb idiot. <laughs> oh, God, why would your cat wear sandals? He would hate it. He would. He would. But back to Maya, she's super gay for Kendrick's. Like, 
half the episodes were just kind of like weird jealous like girl jealousy episodes but they're just kind of end like oh i'm sorry yeah like even the episode where like maya eats the cake like she's because one kendrick's does not properly like tell her i made that cake for damon's birthday you shouldn't have eaten it yeah but like she realizes that she sees the as i previously mentioned the cake shop that is inexplicably on terra venture she sees the cake shop and realizes oh she must have made that for damon's birthday i understand this earth human custom now (laughs) i'm sorry and then like she goes and apologizes and they make out. No, we wish they made out. Eh, they probably made out off screen. Let's just say that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and like, there's just there's just so many moments where her and Kendricks are just so gay. Yeah, and especially like it happened, like we mentioned with the typical girl jealousy, jealousy is that like, you know, there's an episode where she thinks her best her best friend from Miranoi, Chandra, has made it to Terra Venture. And, like, there's a whole episode where they're just, they go around, they're reminiscing about Miranoi, and Kendrix is jealous because, like, you know, Maya is her best friend. Like, why why does she suddenly have a new best friend? And it turns out, like, that was a monster anyway. (laughs) Yeah, monster just kind of imprinted the memories and shit, and, or not imprinted the memories on Maya, which is, I think it, like, stole memories from Maya, and basically, uh, yeah. But it just kind of came off as like, I, I'm i jealous of the ex-girlfriend of my girlfriend. Yeah. Oh, which, by the way, he didn't mention this with Miranoi. Um, <laughs> it has the worst embossing effect I have ever seen. <laughs> ah! We might talk more about that on Odds and Ends. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to our Odds and Ends, but good God. <laughs> this, this season's the trip. But uh, one of the things about Miranoians, or it could be just because she took, like, a level in this, and Miranoians are all Dungeons and Dragons people, but she has, like, she had, like, weird Counselor Troy empathy powers, like, I sense something, and they don't say out loud she's an empath or a psychic or anything, it's just, I sense something's up. Or I can talk to the Galactabees. It's kind of like... Yeah, and, like, when, uh, when Leo asked her how, like, you know, she talks to the Galactabees. She's like, you just need to listen with your heart. And paint with all the colors of the wind. It's real hippie bullshit. Um, <laughs> which Leo eventually figures out to his credit, I guess. Um, and gets a and gets a rad motorcycle because of it. Yeah. But she only uses like probably about five times throughout the entire series. But gotta sell those toys, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> And then when, like, later in the season, uh, when Carone comes and be- comes and becomes the Pink Ranger, like, she and, like, she gets close with uh, Maya, because that's the thing in Power Rangers, is that, like, the, the pink and yellow ranger are automatically super close in besties. But you can tell it's not, she's not quite as close to her as she is with Kendricks. Yeah, Carone's more of a good friend, whereas Kendricks is, like, Ah, uh, just gals being pals. Nothing more special than that. Oh, <laughs> uh, we've done a lot of talking about Kendricks, so uh, let's move to Kendricks. Kendricks Morgan. Uh, this was kind of an interesting thing. Uh, take on the fact that uh, she's one of the very few rare women that are the brains of the season. Yeah, it's very clearly obvious. Not just from the fact that she has glasses and is kind of the nerd. 
Um, but you know, she's like, she's the one who's doing a lot of the research on the last galaxy book. I think it's like hinted. She's one of the top science officers. Yeah. So yeah. So she is, she is ostensibly the smart one. (laughs) Yeah. And gay. And gay. She's super gay for Maya. She, it's also like her one character thing. And this is the one thing that kind of spreads throughout is how super wholesome she is. And we don't mean it in a bad way. Mm -hmm. We just mean like. She goes out of way to bake a cake for Damon. She goes out of way to like and like make Sandra feel at home with home cooking, or you know she's almost always there for people. Yeah. Um. As I referenced with our intro for this episode, like there's even an episode where they, uh, there's a there's a movie star on Terra Venture, which I'm like, why do you guys are making movies on Terra Venture? Like, okay, it was a Ginga uh, Man episode, but. <laughs> Of course, this was a Ginga Man episode. Um, but yeah, so there's a whole episode where there's a uh, there's a movie star on Terra Venture that looks exactly exactly like Kendrick's, and she gets injured, and so they ask Kendrick's to fill in for her with uh, filming some scenes, and then at some point, uh, I think Kendrick's also like hurts her knee or her foot or something like that. Uh, basically, what happens is a monster attacked, and like the girl, the actress got like a little hurt, like just you know a scrape, but really acted it out. Whereas Kendrick's got something from the monster embedded in her that could explode or something. Mm-hmm. It it was basically a trap. Yeah. So Kendrick's in this like she has to film this one last scene, and she's in a lot of pain, and like. Like the the actress is just like, why are you still doing this? You're you're in so much pain. You could just act, like refuse to do it. And she's like, well, if you promise to do something, you need to see it through to the end. And uh, this ge- like this gives her a change of heart. And at the end of the episode, when she's winning an award because they film award shows on Terra Venture, apparently, um, <laughs> she thanks Kendricks for teaching her the value of a promise. Yeah. Oh, you can't make this shit up. (laughs) So, now let's talk about something that was a big curveball in production. Mm -hmm. Not just the Ginga Man stuff. And it's really sad. She's better now. She's still alive and everything and kicking. But Valerie Vernon, Kendrick's actress, got diagnosed with leukemia in the season. She had to basically get written off the show. Yeah. And... There was many ways to do it, but they decided to actually do something in Power Rangers that was sort of explored with Zordon and the wave thing, but you didn't have a human character die. Right. And this is kind of like the big thing people remember Last Galaxy for is the first time a ranger falls in the line of duty, which was Kendrick's essentially psycho. Uh, the psycho rangers come back in the big team up episode with, um, it's to the 11th power. It's the big team up episode with uh, the the Space Rangers. And uh, they blow up the Psychos with the exception of Psycho Pink. And then um, essentially Psycho Pink just goes on a bit of a rampage and uh, puts a sword, like some sort of like powerful sword, I forgot the name of it, through Cassie's Morpher. Mm-hmm. And it causes a vortex and everything. I think it was the Quasar Saber, actually, or something. It just basically no, caused... No, it was not the Quasar Saber. It was um, it was a specific sword that they referred to. Give me just a second. Yeah. Uh, Pink okay. was the only... Uh, Savage Sword. It was the Savage Sword. Yeah. So, yeah, it just kind of, you know, was fucking things with the morphing grid and everything. And Kendrick's 
basically at the risk of her life and gave her life, mm-hmm. goes to pull the savage sword out of the morpher to stop everything, and it, it kills her. And uh, she just kind of turns into a ball of energy and uh, says her goodbyes, and it's just kind of like, she's gone. Yeah. And the series, despite Lost Galaxy being Lost Galaxy, mm-hmm. it actually deals with Kendrix's death very well, minus the Return of the Jedi ending, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, um, is Especially for, like, the next couple of episodes, you kind of feel the weight of Kendrick's being gone. My, you know, you, you deal with Maya being sad, almost everyone's being sad and mourning. Uh, when Car- There's kind of that big thing when Caron gets the powers, even though you, you really laughed at the Angel Kendrick's thing. That oh was really funny. Oh my god, yeah, I will talk about that in just a second when we get to Ken- uh, Caron. Um. But it also dealt with, like, Oh, hey, you're Carone, and, you know, that's cool and all, but we miss Kendricks. Yeah. And, like, Kendricks also dealing with the fact she did have to replace a teammate. And that's something that, like, we're, we're going to talk about this in our next episode, because the next episode we're doing, we're covering uh, The Psychopath, which is uh, one of the comics that Boom Studios did. And they get more into kind of what Carone was going through in that, and how you balance you know, somebody who's ostensibly a friend dying and, you know, who, who, who was a power ranger as well, dying in the line of duty. And it's, yeah, it it was actually like a legitimately sad and emotional moment, which like does not happen that often at this point in power rangers. No. Like the only time I could say, other time I could say I got emotional watching power rangers was when Kimberly left. Yeah. Cause you, you don't have that attachment to Zordon like a lot of us old fans do. Right. So his death was like, so long, you war criminal bitch. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, that one didn't really move me, I guess. If I'm, that, that makes me sound like a terrible person that I'm not, you know, being sad about a disembodied head in a jar. <laughs> and I, I'm referring here specifically to the TV series or... I guess the 2017 movie as well. I got emotional watching the 2017 movie. Let's be real. Yeah, no, Billy's... Comics have made me emotional on multiple fronts, but... Uh, yeah, so, but in the TV series, pro- TV series proper... Yeah, in the TV series proper, there's not, so far, there's not been that much that has made me, like, legitimately sad. And... Then they kind of undid all that when they put the Quasar Savers back into the stone and, oh, Kendrix is better now! Yeah, because I guess because they didn't have a dead body to anchor her to, like, she just sort of goes back, like, she just becomes a spirit with the universe and, like, goes back into her body as soon as, like, uh, everything's fine again. I kind of have a bit of an explanation because I was going over with Pocky about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that sometimes I think when you die using your powers, and this is something that comes up again in Power Rangers, mm-hmm. is that if you're turned to energy, mm-hmm. you can come back. Okay. If you're turned through energy through the morphing grid or whatever, the morphing grid kind of saves your energy and you can come back. That makes sense. Like, so far, the only time I've seen a dead body in Power Rangers is in the comics. I can't wait for RPM! <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> um, 
but you're covering that sometime next year, so yeah, get hype. Uh, <laughs> and speaking of sad episodes, oh my god, one of them is very sad. Uh, but yeah, so they, they, we kind of get a bit of a Return of the Jedi ending, as we called it, with um, Kendrick's. Or just... The, just Lost Galaxy in general kind of gets a Return of the Jedi ending. Like, the, the with the exception of... What was it I said that I thought the Ewoks ate the Stormtroopers? Because it is kind of implied and that scared me as a child. Yeah. Like, there's there's no cannibalism here. Yeah, there's no, like, eating eating another race. It's just, like, fireworks and the Galactabeast dancing and everyone dancing and yay. Yeah. But we'll get to that. So that was kind of the rough thing about the the landing of that, because, you know, it's like you kind of cheat, cheapen the death a little bit, but it's still heavy. Even with that explanation, it's like it was still all right. You know, it wasn't a complete home run, but it, it made a few bases. Yeah. And then, like, I guess kind of the added note on there of, like, bringing Kendrick's back because didn't she, hadn't she recovered, um, uh, Valor- Valerie, hadn't she recovered from leukemia at that point? Yes. Okay. She had she had just recovered. Okay. And um uh, you know what I I will say this we're not a a a podcast for wrestling but fuck you people who thought Roman was lying about his leukemia cuz he didn't lose his hair cuz Valerie didn't either. Jesus. Yeah, especially cuz like if you catch it early and you're going through different treatment than the typical um chemotherapy treatment sometimes you don't lose your hair. So, uh, <laughs> fuck y'all. <laughs> fuck y'all. That I, is I, our, that yeah. is our fuck y'all shout out for this podcast. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, anyway, uh, so th- we've talked about Kendrick. So let's talk about the second Pink Ranger for the season with Corone, who we already know decently well from her role in In Space. But yeah, she, she kind of has to prove herself because, you know, she's no longer a drag queen She's a vampire slayer. Yeah, so, yeah, so, as we noticed, she kind of has more of a subdued performance in this particular season. I should note, Melody Perkins got better at acting between last season and this season. Great job, Melody. We love you. Yeah. So, but, yeah, so she has a little bit more of a subdued performance. I mean, there is one scene where she pretends to be astronomer. Um, cause she has to go win the Quasar Saber back in an auction, like a, a seedy underground auction, uh, which does, which backfires on her. By the way, this, this bar shows up constantly in Power Rangers, this, this Western seedy bar. Yeah, which so far we counted between the last two seasons, it's about three or four times now. <laughs> and I think that was, I think that was Ernie's Juice Saloon too. Oh my god. They had one set they could use for being seedy. And they were going to use the fuck out of it, apparently. Yes. So, yeah, and there's a lot of kind of, there's a little bit of a back and forth of, like, her kind of grappling with who she used to be and who she wants to be. Yeah. Um, We will say, though, and we're going to talk about this, we're going to talk, get real in-depth with this in our next episode. Because uh, they kind of develop more of that dichotomy in the psychopath. Mm-hmm. It's a great benefit, in our opinion. Yeah. But they, they do kind of explore it here is that she's kind of grappling with the guilt of, I was astronomer, I was evil, and now I'm in this position of 
doing ultimate good. And it, like initially starts as like that she doesn't immediately get the Quasar Saber powers. Yeah. Like she's just trying to rescue the Quasar Saber so she can start kind of moving down that path of do like finding who she is and how to be good. Which leads to the part of the season that just broke me with how ridiculous it was. <laughs> so, you know, Trakina and her, her goons show up uh, where the rangers are. Try to get the Quasar Saber back. And it leads to, like, a fight on a cliffside. And, like, as we said with, like, Corone, is that she's just dressed like a fucking vampire slayer. Like, she looks like she could have been, like, in an episode of Buffy. She's got, like, this black bodysuit, um, kind of corseted just a little bit, little bit of a, a V-cut on the top. Doesn't really wear pink besides some in her hair at any point during the rest of the season. And her and Trakina end up on a fight on the side of a mountain hill that has a cliff. So basically, Corone gets kind of knocked off the side and is, like, hanging on to the cliff for dear life. and But she can't hold on. And she falls. Mm-hmm. And as she's falling... She is suddenly stopped in midair <laughs> with the worst composite shots. Yeah. Oh, my God. And it's the ghost of Kendricks being like, you have shown that you're ultimate good. I am giving you the powers of the Pink Ranger. <laughs> I can't even describe it without laughing. It's so dumb. But basically, like, she gets given the morpher <laughs> by the ghost of Kendricks. <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah oh my god and like apparently like she wasn't even supposed to be the pink ranger <laughs> yeah let's get into the it was supposed to be cassie <laughs> so when the whole thing came up um with Valerie, they reached out to Patricia Jolly, and they were like, can you come back and be Cassie? And there was talk, uh, and basically it ran down to her and her agent stood their ground and said, you are not paying us fucking peanuts when I am the veteran, like, senior involved in this mm -hmm. to come back and play Power Rangers. So, you know, like, good on her for knowing her worth. Yeah. And, like, it's very much implied and, like, uh, in the in the episode where Ke uh, Kendricks passes away, that like they were kind, of, it seems like they were setting her up mm -hmm. a lot to kind of take over that role because like her like Kendricks and Cassie get really close. Yeah, and uh, Cassie is like very shook by the fact that like like Kendricks sacrificed herself for her. Yeah. But I, it, it also feels when you kind of get to the end, like when they're kind of talking it through, that they, they kind of had to rewrite that a little bit. But yeah, so kind of like Corone, while I do like the fact that they do try to get into a little bit of like the dichotomy of formerly being Astronema and currently being Corone, it just sort of felt like they just needed somebody to be in the Pink Ranger space and she was the one who was willing to come back. Yeah. Which is why I'm further grateful for the psychopath to be willing to explore that a little bit more in depth that they couldn't really do in the TV series or weren't willing to do in the TV series. Yeah. I guess moving on from Corone, and we're going to talk about, uh, I guess, the first Magna Defender. 
And Zika. And Zika. Oh, poor Zika. So, Magic Defender's real main thing is he's an angry father trying to avenge his son's death, and he does not care who gets in his way about that. Yeah, and it's it's real interesting. He's definitely kind of the main thing that you can tell that this was a sword and sorcery season and not a space season, because he just so clearly is shaped like a knight. Yeah. I think he was Bull Knight in Ginga Man. Makes sense. He's He's got horns like a bull. I'm sorry. He was bl- uh, Black Knight in Ginga Man, and he was Bull Black, essentially. Oh, uh, makes sense. That makes sense. But yeah, so he ends up kind of like taking Mike's life force and putting it inside of him to keep both him and Mike alive, because they just happen to be in the same, like, crevice cave. That, that makes sense. And uh, he helped the rangers- Usually when it was convenient for him. Yeah. And he just kind of had his own agenda until he saw the light and he sacrifices himself to save the rangers in the end for, I think, the Lights of Orion. Yeah. Yeah, it was like basically that concluded around the Lights of Orion arc. Which this moment is supposed to be emotional as he's like walking through the flames and slowly dying. And like he can see his like dead son like, walking beside him. And, like, his spirit comes back a couple of times after that. But, like, it just kind of comes across as ridiculous, especially when, like, the thing about Magnet Defender is that he's kind of supposed to be, like, a brooding hero type in the middle of a very dumb season. (laughs) And... So it's just... It's just weird. And, like, the weirdest thing about it was that, like, they had constant flashbacks to, like, his, like, uh, it was Scorpius that he had a, a beef with, right? Yeah. I couldn't remember if it was Scorpius or Furio. But basically, Scor- he had his whole thing with Scorpius, because Scorpius's men killed his son, Zika, and he wants revenge against them for killing Zika. They replay this so many times, and it feels like we probably watched Zika die, like, Nine times before Magnet Offender actually bites it. I, I find it funny. I think we watched him like three or four times die in, in, in one episode. Yeah, it's like, how many times do I need to see this little, like, this little clone of Magnet Offender? Because I should know, Zika just looks exactly like Magnet Offender, but shorter. Yeah. How many times do I gotta watch this little clone die? It's like, we get it. We know how he died. You don't have to show it to us. Five times in an episode. Kids don't have that short of an attention span. Oh my god. So bad. It's so bad. That being said, Magnet Defender fucks. Yep. Unless, like, there's some weird asexual way that Magnet Defenders... No, what? Nope, nope, nope. I'm not summoning Ninja again. I'm not not bringing that upon me. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so moving on from Magnet Defender, we have Commander Stanton, who's kind of, like, he's the main... He, he's not the mentor, but he's sort of the main adult character that we constantly see in the TV, in this particular series. Older adult, because we'll go into the fact that they are actually adults later. Right, but, right. But yeah, he, he's just kind of like Riker and Picard when he showed, mm-hmm. and he makes the tough decisions, but he doesn't have much of a personality. Yeah, like, you just know that he's just kind of, he's the lead, he's the commander of this ship. He cares about his ship. Uh, he cares about the people on the ship, but not really much of a personality outside of that. There's a whole episode where he gets brainwashed. It's, it steps on his daughter's, like, drawing. 
Which led Kurt to say, does he have a robot wife? Yes, okay, because the drawing is supposed to be Commander Stanton standing in front of Terra Venture. But <laughs> it's not a very... Uh, considering the fact it's drawn by which I'm going to say that she's about six or seven years old. It's not a very good drawing. <laughs> so, like, Kurt, watching this episode with us, just thought that he had a robot wife. Which led to us just... Talking about Jesus and Mero for probably about 10 minutes. <laughs> look at the Bodega Princess. <laughs> Darling, look at the Bodega Princess. Bodega Princess. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shout out to Jesus and Mero. Yeah. They, they definitely don't listen to our podcast, but we appreciate They don't them. listen to our podcast. <laughs> but yeah, so he does have a, like, it, it is also a thing that he is a father. He has a her daughter that shows up in like two episodes maybe there's a third in there i don't remember um i don't remember her name either but that's how inconsequential she is and i think a dead wife as well probably it's power rangers yeah there's always a dead mom yeah and like it's a whole thing in that in the brainwashing episode that he learns that he needs to spend more time with his daughter and he takes the day off and leaves kai in charge so he can go and spend time with his daughter and Kai's like, I'm only 22, help. <laughs> it's like, why are you leaving me in charge? I'm not even your XO. What? I'm just the pilot. <laughs> there is no, like, the hierarchical structure of, G of the GSA makes no sense. And he never should have trusted that cat mutiny. Oh my god, an actual line set in Power Rangers. <laughs> he has the best fucking line in all of Power Rangers that shows how bad Power Rangers is at writing villains. So let's go into villains, shall we, with uh, Drakina, one of the better named villains? Yeah, so- I don't have the nut button. Oh, yeah, well, nut, nut, nut. Nut, nut, nut. Oh my god, I was so gay for her. Yeah, so apparently the rest of the internet is too, because you, you found some things on a Google search. Yeah, I did. <laughs> um, but yeah, so- Trakina's whole thing is that she's not the main villain to start. It's technically Furio, but, you know, Furio does fuck all. Um, I think he dies earlier, too. It's like, surprise! Yeah, so she's the daughter of Scorpius. And um, according to, like, the Power Rangers wiki, fan wiki, it says that, like, it's implied that she's, like, part human because she's obsessed with her mortal beauty. So she's all, she's all about, you know... She's, she's all about the evil, but she wants to be hot. Um, that's her main that's thing. Legit. She wants to be that's, hot. That's, le that's legit. <laughs> yeah. And then she runs away from home when her dad's like, I'm going to put you in the cocoon to, like, tap into your full power. And she's like, no, I want to be hot. And uh, she ends up running away, and she meets Villamax, who trains her to be, like, a, a true warlord. And, yeah, she, she is plain evil, but she clearly has a soft spot for Scorpius. And, like, when he dies, that she's real emotional about it. Yeah. And, like, he, he gives her the passionate speech of what she needs to do to take over the world. And then there and then the episode, uh, the, there was an episode uh, about stolen beauty where she, of course, takes human form and tries to take beauty from everybody. And it leads to some bad makeup on the girls and... Oh my god, that sexy fucking episode was so horny for no reason. Yeah, and then, like, there's a whole thing in the captions where, like, the song is playing and she's walking around Terra Venture as a human allegedly named Tracy. Um, she's, like, walking around Terra Venture being all hot, like, Sedusa in the Powerpuff Girls. 
Yeah. She's walking around and like I'm all these men keep like throwing themselves at her. And the lyrics of the song that's playing are technically saying, I'm going to blow you away. The captions on Netflix then proceed to say at one point, I'm going to blow you. <laughs> we just stopped and just started fucking laughing. Because we're 12 years old. It's, it's, that's the thing. It's yeah. Just, we, that, that's what happens when you get older is just you refer back to being 12. Yeah. It's like we're, we're two 30 somethings that are just to actually two 12 year olds in a trench coat. <laughs> Yes. We're like, eh, 69, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then, like, the code of the end game is, is that after she's trained to be, like, a, a, you know, a true evil warlord, and after all of this, she decides, I am no longer babe, I want power. This is after she fuses with Deviat, though. Yeah. She fuses with Deviat and becomes extra evil. And then it's like, I'm no longer babe, I want power. And so basically after that, because I think it's that she had a loss to the Power Rangers and she wants to make sure she takes them down once and for all. Um, so she goes into the cocoon again and with no uh, nobody to fuse with and comes out as like a mantis monster, which the thing is that she was just like, I still want to be hot. Like she's she's got like that weird toku monster hot when she comes out. Yeah, like she still has boobs and shit. Yeah, and... Like, did we ever determine if that mo- that particular monster was from Ginga Man or if they made it specifically for Power Rangers? I forgot to research, so we're going to put it in the show notes. Yes. Um, but yeah, so she becomes like a full insect and then gets blown up after a fight with, like, Leo. The end. The other rangers do join, mind you, but uh, it's like the space station is crashing... With Leo in it as he fights her off. And after everyone evacuated, by the way, I'm Miranoi! But uh, we'll get to that later. But essentially, like, the Rangers throw the lights of Orion at it. They throw their, like, crystal power at it. Then Leo just throws everything he has at her. His cycle, his battleizer is what gives the final blow, I think. It's just like, what? Yeah, so it's just like it's it, it's the it's the end of the season blowout where you're just gonna throw everything you can at the main villain and uh, hope that it sticks. And the battle light, the stupid battleizer stuck. Oh, the stupid battle light. Yeah, well, you know, you're gonna spend money to put a dumb jetpack like jetpack jet on him. Um, you might as well like just have that be the killing blow. Which leads us to Scorpius. He was more of the dad villain. Uh. He shows up at the very beginning of the season before, I think, actually, very, like, very early on dies. Yeah, like, I think he's dead by, like, episode, like, 10 or 15. Sometime in that, somewhere in that range. So he hands over, you know, after his speech, he hands over his powers to Trakina type situation. And he's evil, but he really loves his daughter. Uh, and then the one thing I always noticed about him was his vagina mouth. Yeah, he's got a little bit of a, of a vagina mouth. Alan Moore-esque Watchmen Vagina Mouth. Uh, anyway. And then we have Deviot, who was a Darkonda type, which he was all into the betraying, but he didn't have a boyfriend this season. Yeah. So he just takes out that aggression on trying to undercut Trakina whenever he can. Including joining Captain Mutiny, and then when that didn't work, he's like, 
wow, I'm back. And then that's when he basically has that fight with Drakina and they go into the cocoon and fuse and that's how he dies. And yep, that's pretty much it. Velomax was very interesting in the fact he he's a warrior but a villain. Right. And uh, he trains Drakina and he has a soft spot for her. And then like at the very end, he's on the he's on the space station and he helps save a little girl and the little girl gives him the flower and he's having these second thoughts about Drakina being like scorch earthing the place. Right. So he's like, maybe there's still good in her. Turns out there wasn't any dice. Yeah, he he she straight up kills him. Um and steps on the flower because I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards. That's Power Rangers in a nutshell. Yeah. And then we have this filler bitch. Yeah, uh Captain Mutiny. Like, my god. As you noted here, this one piece motherfucker filler bitch. <laughs> he was the original villain of Ganga Man. And um and it, it it was pretty much like pirates versus sword and sorcery was kind of their thing. But here, he has actual fucking slaves. Yeah, so there's a whole thing about like he basically has these work camps that are trying to find treasure for him. Um and might I, might I add, they are Duncan Hines, Rainbow Sprinkles, and, like, gems from Party City. Yeah, they're cheap as hell looking. And, but they specifically go out of their way to call them slaves. They are people of all, all uh, of all races, I should note. But it's like, you could have just called them prisoners? <laughs> it just was like, what's, uh, what's been going on currently in society and everything, it's just kind of felt like an extra sting to, like, talk about slavery and imprisonment camps, and it just, like, <gasps> and it's like, oh, God, and you know somebody's gonna, like, come and, like, comment, and it's just like, but, like, they had slaves back in, like, various white kingdoms had slaves, the Romans had slaves, and, like, that doesn't make it okay! <laughs> hey! Yes, slavery was a thing in ancient times because we didn't have the Industrial Revolution. But that doesn't make it it was okay to own people. Yeah, like, oh my god, I'm just thinking of that crazy ex-girlfriend song of Remember That We Suffered, which is just basically Rebecca talking about why, like, uh, why Jewish people don't have a good time because they will constantly remind you they have been through shit. Yes. Um, and so, like... Yes, slavery has probably existed for as long as human humans have existed. But, like, especially when you're talking about enforced labor. Especially right now. What the fuck? Fuck. And it was just kind of like, you are not that serious. And they weren't. They were. They were. Uh, and it's like, I, they were. It's like, you are not good enough of a show and writing to really go into this for children no no and it's like i yeah i mean i feel like you could go away of like explaining that he had prisoners he was like like i feel like there's a better way to talk about exploiting people or having prisoners especially to show that he's evil because he's clearly supposed to be evil his name is cat mutiny and why should you trust him hmm but yeah, uh, <laughs> that just sort of broke us. It's like, what you're, you, like, you guys are actually having this plot where he has, he's a literal slaver. Yeah. And you guys are just cool with that. It's like, it'd be one thing if Sesame Street went over it. Cause Sesame Street, as much as it is for little, little kids, 
goes over heavy topics for little kids. Uh, they went over racism uh, recently. They do stuff with um, military therapy to talk to kids about um, why their parents have PTSD and what could go on with that. Yeah, and I get a, I get into this argument about Star Wars all the time about like you know you have the crowd that are just being like oh but it's for kids like you can't get into heavy topics because it's for kids and it's like and yes that is a central ethos to Star Wars that has always existed since George Lucas um, directed the first one it has always been a central ethos that when it comes down to it at the end of the day Star Wars is still for children but. They still get into heavy topics in Star Wars to varying degrees of success, ultimately. But they still are willing to talk about it. You still see characters that die. You still see, like, you still see alien races that are slavers, like all of the huts. And it very emphasizes, like, hey, these are very shitty people and all of that. Uh, just, uh, Power Rangers does not have the range to do that. No, it, yeah, it really doesn't. It, like... This guy is named Captain Mutiny, and he looks like a, like, he's supposed to be a pirate in what he looks like, a, a ship's oar, essentially. Uh -huh. And here, here we are, which makes the slave thing even worse when I think about it! Yeah, because it's like, okay, yeah, no, mm, mm, no, nobody thought this through. Nobody did. It's like, I'm not saying there isn't a place in children's television to talk about heavy topics. But Power Rangers does not have the range that we know of, so like that we have seen so far to really cover those heavy topics. And it just kind of made it of he's a slaver because he's a bad guy. Yeah. And, you know, and it's a whole thing that they have to rescue the. I hate to say the word slaves over and over again. Just God. Um, they have to rescue the slaves. And that's the whole thing with Captain Mutiny is rescue the slaves. I'm like, I feel like, again, you could maybe have him take various prisoners of people that have tried to fight him to show that he's a bad guy. Not, he actually takes, like, actual people, like, he goes on, like, that's the reason why he infiltrates Terra Venture and tries to act nice and everything, was he was literally gonna capture the people of Terra Venture to go, like, throw into slavery. Yeah. And I'm like, you guys don't know how to handle this whatsoever. You guys could barely handle the episode with Damon. What makes you think you could handle the episode dealing with the episodes dealing with slavery? Yeah, we think too much about Power Rangers. We do, and like again, this is not. This is we're just talking about the general concept of slavery here. We're not even getting into like the implications of American slavery or prison labor, <laughs> aka slavery. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, it's just like, the thing is that they've had so many villains on Power Rangers is that you can go out of your way to show that they are evil in different ways. You could have just kind of made that whole, like, plot cul-de-sac, just him being, like, you know, Rita or Trakina or uh, Divatox or any other Power Rangers villain. Just have him, like, in the Lost Galaxy, like, be obnoxious and hit them with monsters that are harder than they've ever been hit before. And, you know, maybe, like, taking political prisoners as well. But, like, I don't think you need to go the whole, like, prison and labor, or slash slavery route. Done by a boat monster. I'm like, ugh. Anyway, 
he dies like a punk ass bitch. Yeah, like I said, he gets blow the fuck up by Trakina because she's like, uh-uh, no, no, I am the main villain around here. Fuck you. It's like, oh, you're back. And he dies. Yeah. Uh, honorable mention goes into Hexabuff for the looks. We loved it. Uh, Treacheron for his name. He had a very good name, but he, he died pretty early. And Furio for seemingly being the main villain and then dying. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of it with our, um, uh, with our characters, is that, yeah, that's, besides our kind of yelling about certain things in the plot, that's gone quicker than it has in the past. Um. Yeah. Let's, let's. Yeah, let's go over our odds and ends. So, uh, the first thing we want to notice is that the, the, the theme for this season, and it's actually hit pretty hard for the past couple seasons, but there is a boss-ass theme this season. like we would just we would just start singing it and it was just oh we loved it yeah it was so good and like i would say like even for like some of the bad seasons we've had like in the past couple of seasons um even like i even think the turbo theme was pretty lit even though turbo was a garbage fire um turbo was a garbage fire with a lit theme because that theme got you going and then you're like yeah i can't wait to watch oh wait we're watching turbo fuck uh, one of the things I, I found interesting was, uh, Lost Galaxy was, like, the start of having adults. They're young adults. Like, I could say that Mike's probably the oldest at 23, 24, where Leo's the youngest at, like, 19. Yeah. So, like, they're young adults, but yeah, the characters in this particular season are, like, actual adults with jobs. Well, minus Maya and Leo, but, like... <laughs> Yeah, but the, it seems like Terra Venture kind of has that whole thing of, like, if you're helping out a little bit on the ship, you're allowed, like, room and board. Yeah. Like, they say that, like, everybody on Terra Venture has a role, which is just, like, oh, uh, God, that skirts way too close to the thing from Futurama of, like, the, the career chips and you gotta do what you gotta do. You gotta do. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was, it's kind of refreshing, and it's something that you see going forward, is that unless it's in a high school, the rangers are adults. Yeah. And it brings me to something that comes up in the comics. While we, while we haven't really engaged in it, I do know of the spoiler. Okay. Which is Zordon talks about having adult teens in the past, but he's like, well, they're never really coherent, like coherent group uh, of a team so i just started using teenagers and i'm like you you bitch yeah that's you that's so dumb that's so dumb you were a criminal bitch just because like a couple of like adults that you didn't size up would be a good team aren't a good team you're like well teenagers will make a better team because like you see time and time again post after that fucker dies ranger teams are just fine with adults in fact they run a little better if not a little weirder with, with adults being present. Mm-hmm. I say weirder because it's just kind of like, you have the occasional, like, like one in Beast Morphers where Devin tries to hold down a job mm-hmm. and he can't because of his ranger duties. Right. You have occasional shit like that going on. But for the most part, it's like, you you have college students or young adults and they do just fine. Yeah. Also kind of a thing, I, I have nothing else to really add to that, but, um... Okay. 
Uh, another thing that we, about the season is because as we're kind of transitioning away from Angel Grove being kind of the central crux of where the Power Rangers go back to, like, because even in, in space, like, whenever they were on Earth, they always went back to Angel Grove. Yeah. Terra Venture takes off from Angel Grove because apparently Angel Grove has, like, you know, that, that, that Nasada was the name of the... Yeah. Nasada. Yeah. Apparently you have a space, like space program located in angel grove okay why not um sure why not and um so as you're transitioning away this is kind of the last time we see bulk in the series and he's not even there that often he's only in like a a small small handful of episodes i think four or five episodes you see bulk and phenomenus yeah and so and specifically phenomenus because they really short-shifted Skull here. If I can remember, Jason Narvi was about to go to uh, grad school. Uh-huh. And it, he went to grad school in Virginia, which is far away from L.A. Right. So they had to write Skull out of the show. Um, so it's just kind of like you have Bulk, uh, you know, kind of show up but for a very small role and then he gets back to earth somehow we find out uh in wild horse so okay and then he comes back in samurai and we'll well i guess we'll get more into bulk later but it's kind of like as as you kind of point out as we leave angel grove we leave bulk and skull behind but yeah skull gets kind of short shifted because like in the first episode like you see that bulk is getting on the ship with Professor Phenomenus because there's only, like, a limited amount of tickets to get on Terra Venture. I, I, I always hate, like, plots like that with regards to, like, saving humanity or going to explore new worlds. Is like, you only pick the best of the best or whatever. Whoever can buy a ticket. Yeah. So, Bulk and Skull are... No, sorry. Bulk and Phenomenus are in line. And they're, like, they keep being, like, we're forgetting something. Why are we forgetting something? And it keeps cutting back to Skull asleep in his bed as his alarm is going off. And then... He clearly had a... Yeah, yeah. And then, like, they get their tickets, and and, and they just kind of don't realize that they left Skull behind. Or they do, and it's just, like, well, it's too late. It's by the time they realize they left Skull behind, they are already... They have have set foot on Terra Venture. They are already gotten off the ship, and there's, there's no way back. Yeah. So, uh, we kind of like said that Skull kind of missed it because he had a wild night of drag the night before. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that, that, that's basically what we say happened is that he was like, he was performing, things got crazy, and, uh, he got too drunk and overslept. And, uh, kind of the last thing that we see from the remainders of the season is after to the 10th power, Alpha 6 comes back. Yeah. So, Alpha 6, uh, cause I feel like, didn't, I thought I could have sworn Alpha Six shown up uh, before that. A little, yeah, a little bit before, but it wasn't until the tenth power they kind of made Alpha uh, a character again. Because right. Alpha Six, I think, was on the ship when Kai hijacked or hijacked it with Damon on board right. to go to Miranoi. Right. But they just kind of left Alpha Six alone until oh, the Space Rangers are here, so they brought him back. Yeah, and we and we. It's weird how much we legitimately loved Alpha 6, like, from, like, in space onward. Yeah, because it's like we first started out in Turbo, we're like, we hate this motherfucker. We're gonna beat him up. Yeah, because then, like, this, this racist character that makes no sense. Yeah. And then, like, with that, just that, that voice change to Wendy Lee, it's like, 
that just automatically kind of made Alpha 6 a more endearing character. Yeah. I would probably even say more endearing than Alpha 5. <laughs> yeah, Alpha 5 was more like, ay 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 ay, the monster's attacking! Whereas Alpha 6 had more, like, character moments. And a personality. <laughs> and a personality besides, ay 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 ay! So yeah, that's, I guess, to our final verdict. Uh, it's an experience. It's an experience! I have seen this season about four times now, and every time it just feels like a wild ride. I don't know what is happening half the time. Question what is happening half the time. The characters are flat, but I weirdly like it. It's just so fun to watch, even though it's a bit weird. Yeah, I can't say that this season was good or impactful, uh, but I can't say that it's boring either. Like, it's a real popcorn season of bonkers plots, and I guess you need that sometimes. I definitely wouldn't recommend this if you were, like, a Power Rangers newbie, but, you know, maybe I would if that's your thing. I'm not your mom. <laughs> and that concludes this episode. We'd like to thank Kate Nix for our theme song. You can find her at Twitter at IamKateNix and KateNix.com, where you can find her Bandcamp merch and streaming. Uh, Lullaby Lounge is still on the rewind, but you can uh, tune in Wednesday evenings at 8 p.m. with Adventures in Fairy Delphia uh, on Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. Uh, she's still taking a break, but she is kind of doing the rewind. And season two of uh, Lullaby Lounge is being prepped as we speak. Yes, yeah, so she's she's ramping up to that fairly soon. Yes. Uh, we'd like to thank Joe Hunter for our art. You can find shirts of his at joehunter.threadless.com uh, and his Instagram, Hunter, as well as his Twitter, Joe underscore Hunter, as well. And it's the same name as Patreon. He has a comic that he's making with Lance Pitts called Beast Heart Striker, uh, Strikers. Uh, he took a bit of a hit during the COVID event pandemic, so please go support him, whether it's buying his, his print arts, uh, doing uh, commission, whatever. Kurt Yoder for the editing. We have a lot of Pokemon to sell as we are getting hit pretty hard with COVID. So if you want to check out our Etsy, which is Great SG Creations, all one word, go check us out. We got a lot of perlers to sell. Our wrestler of the podcast this week is Billy Starks because she's out of this world. That's our space Jesus. That's our space Jesus. She's she's a very adorable. As she calls herself a blue gremlin, you can find her at Billy Starks. That's Billy spelled B-I-L-L-I-E, like Billy Joe Armstrong. Billy Joe Armstrong. Starks with a Z. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as at Miss Kitty F. Um, you can also find my Gumroad of um, Gumroad.com slash Ashley Leckwald. Uh, I am still doing tarot reading, sort of. Um, right now, I've mostly pivoted to making masks. Um, but you can find my um, you can find my masks at ashley-leckwold.square.site. Um, or if you go to my Twitter, it's like my pinned uh, tweet is the link to where you can buy my masks and various other things, which includes physical copies of my zines and comics. As well as I'm, there's a t sometimes I add other accessories in there, like a tote bag or whatever. Her tote bags are very nice. I own her Stardust one. Tote life. Tote life. Um, as for me, you can find me on Instagram on two accounts. There is my main one, J Jackets, as well as my Instagram, Witchcraft N, as in the letter N, cats, which is the in Instagram for my cats, Joe, Coda, Blackjack, and Henry. 
You can find me on Twitter at sins2, as in the number two hell. And my gumroad is jssrights87.gumroad.com. You can find us on Rangersplain at anywhere you can uh, find us on Rangersplain, Twitter and Instagram. We are at Rangersplain. Patreon, we need to get back to, and we're very sorry about that. As well as our WordPress, which is rangersplain.wordpress.com. And that is it for Power Rangers Last Galaxy. We're going back to comics for a great one-shot dealing with Corona and the psychos with the psychopath. Black Lives Matter, wash your hands, wear a mask, and may the power fucking protect you. Go. Go. Rangers play.